Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, here with you live on a Friday night, December the 7th, 2018. I'm Dre. Jay had called in, couldn't hear me, so I dropped out and came back in, and I don't know if I'm being heard at all right now, so I'm going to click Jay through and see what the status is. Jay, I hear you just fine. Great. We are both live and on the air. Yeah, I'm glad glad we got that figured out in the last 40 seconds before we went to air. After a little bit of drama, we I, yeah. I came out, came back in, and everything worked out just fine. So here we are. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, the hold music's going on, and then I hear it cut out, and that usually means that you've come on and you've clicked me into the room, and I just could hear nothing. So I, I pretty much right away was like, uh, if you're there, I cannot hear a word you're saying. Nope, I heard you perfectly fine, and you couldn't hear me at all. So I really, it was a panic move. I just dropped and came right back in yeah. right before the show went live. I did the same it thing. Worked. So. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, we, we're starting to figure this Block Talk Radio thing out. Just, just leave and come back. Well, again, every tech problem gets solved by shutting it off and cutting it back on. That's right. Unplug, just unplug it and plug it back in. <coughs> Got a little something in my throat. So while I take a drink, Jay will discuss the Thursday night recap about the uh, Jaguars and the Texans. Uh. Really? That was just, oh man, well, not a not a whole lot to discuss there. The Jaguars, you know, a team that showed up and shut out the Colts, uh, that wasn't the same team. That that team that was full of quit, uh, especially the the key sequence where the Jaguars give the ball back to the Titans at the one when they had a chance to possibly go in and take the lead. Uh, and to that point in the game, Cody Kessler had played pretty well, and then Derrick Henry goes on a ninety nine yard run. Um, no, it is not the greatest run of all time. It is not the greatest run I've ever seen. It, it, it's not even close. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, attempts at tackling of Derrick Henry. I know there are stiff arms in there, but the Jaguars attempts at tackling along the sideline when they could have just pushed him out of bounds looked like they were trying to give him hugs. Every guy comes up, you know, and I love the close-up view of Henry running out the sideline of all the Jaguar guys coming in, and there's like three different dudes who come in there. It looks like it looks like they're all trying to grab him in a loving embrace versus just trying to get his ass out of bounds or actually, you know, try to tackle him, like put a hat on him. The 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 reaching around him up high, just, that's not what you can do with that guy. So great individual effort there by Henry, but that is some of the worst defense I think you will ever see from a team that supposedly touts itself on playing winning defense. So, so long Jaguars, we hardly knew you. Yeah, I don't want to uh, try to rank greatest runs of all time either. I don't know how you quite do that, but all I know is when I saw it, I was like, oh my fucking God, he ran through the whole team. Derek the fuck Henry, man. So it was was a great run, uh, but yeah, I I hear everybody that says, um, you know, 
there's some terrible, terrible tackling by Jacksonville. However, I think there's a little bit of over the top when you, uh, when I consider the reaction that I saw on Twitter as it was happening. And so many people were instantly, immediately, completely disregarding what Derrick Henry did in that run and just saying, that was the worst tackling I've ever seen. That was just terrible, terrible tackling. It looked like they it were trying terrible. to hug him. They were trying to was, hug him. Was. It was some terrible tackling, and also, because multiple things can be true, Derrick Henry bitch-slapped the entire Jacksonville Jaguars team. He did stiff-arm everybody to hell. It it was very reminiscent of beast mode, where you just put your arm out and just go, bitch, and just throw the guy six feet in the air all the way to the ground. Uh, There was a lot of beauty in that, and also, there was some really, really terrible tackling by the Jaguars. Multiple things can be true, but I think the reaction, I think that embodied what people think of the Jaguars right now. I think that game embodied what the Jaguars are and what's wrong with the Jaguars. There are a lot of talk. There are a lot of bravado. And then when it's time for the big lights, the bright lights and the big moment, they don't back it up at all, man. They, I don't know if I've ever seen a team talk as tall as they do and play like that, play like shit like that consistently this year. Maybe they turn it around next year uh, with some hindsight and maybe some personal growth. But right now they're in the pantheon of all-time greatest talking teams uh, with nothing to show for it, all had and no cattle, uh, as they say down on the farm. Uh, just a lot of bullshit from the Jaguars. I think a lot of the reaction was based off of that. Like, this team ain't shit. They can't tackle. They can't do nothing. I, I think it was more of a denigration of what Jacksonville was and all that hype more so than just how bad the tackling was. Start calling them the joke wars. That works. I'll, I'll take that. The joke wars. <laughs> Hashtag joke wars. Yeah, uh, yeah. That would be J O K E U A R S for any of us. Any you know for when we when we start that uh, when we start that handle on Twitter. You know the joke wars because that, that was a joke. Right? That that's a team that's supposed to be. You know, a lot of people, not just us, we weren't the only people high on the Jaguars going into this year. You saw the defense. Oh, no. You saw that they were just a quarterback away, and Blake Bortles was going to mature another year, and they had Fournette, and, you know, yeah, they, they came seven minutes away. or It, it was ridiculously close how, how they came to the Super Bowl. And for where they are at right now, without major injury, you know, this isn't like a Falcon situation or a Redskins situation where your team is just completely decimated by injuries and there's nothing that you can do to get out from underneath it and you're just going to kind of languish. This team is, for the most part, other than Leonard Fournette being missing for long stretches, this team is pretty healthy. They're just bad. And it, it, it is kind of painful to watch. And, then, you know, the, not enough credit to the Titans, who, since Marcus Mariota's shoulder seems to have healed up, have looked pretty good. Well, they they have, but nobody could have seen that coming from Derrick Henry last night. That was no. just an all time performance. What was that? What was and, that text I sent you last night? <clears throat> uh, that he, uh, something along the lines of that he was uh, must have been saving it all up, or uh, yeah, yeah. He, let me he, let me let me see here. Uh, well, oh, after we get past the yeah, the well, got to skip past the Louis Valbuena uh, mm. text, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Here, I guess Derek Henry, Henry has been quote unquote resting all year. Um, he looked well rested, didn't he? He did. He looked like a guy that hasn't played very good football or very much football the last, the the first 13 weeks of the year. 
Well, and if this is the get-off game for him, if the Titans can count on him as a weapon down the stretch, they become potent. They become dangerous. That's the very, very compelling question is can you count on him? That's, people have been waiting to count on him for two, three years now. And yeah. It hasn't happened yet, but last night it happened in a big, big way. Uh, but can you count on that the next game and in the next several games after that? Only time will tell. Yeah, yeah. Was he just spring? Is he springboarding into something? Is this the start of something big, or were they just playing a team that was, you know, hashtag full of quit? <laughs> but to come with that effort against Andrew Luck and the Colts on Sunday, I know, and then come back with that last night—that yeah. was. Oh, I wasn't like the only guy picking the Jaguars last night. There were a lot of people that I sure. think were looking at the the Titans laying that egg with the Jets and kind of like, oh, man, these guys struggled to beat the Jets. And then and then the, the Jaguars shutting out the Colts, best defensive effort they had all year. And then they've, they've turned that around to the worst defensive effort they've had probably all year. You can't get it much worse than that, letting somebody set their all-time team mark for rushing yards and pretty much run up and down the field bitch-slapping you. Yeah, I said I was worried about coming back from that shutout with that kind of effort on three days rest going on the road and trying to replicate that. And man, that that's, but that's Jacksonville football for you this year. When it's, when it's on, it's great. And when it's not, it is just atrocious. Yeah. They are completely off the map. There's no chance. They aren't coming back. It's over. No doubt. Now, done. now the Jaguars are totally done. So yeah. yeah, Tennessee springboards from that at seven and six, and then yeah. we'll see what the future holds for them. But uh, yeah, I, that's that's really the big question: Can they count on that from Derrick Henry? If they can, that's that's a different team. It really is. With, with, with that, that's the force in the backfield that they've really needed to balance things out. They've been relying on Deion Lewis all year. Yeah, Deion Lewis doesn't scare anybody. Right, he's fine, but that's not a, a, a scary threat in the backfield to balance a, 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 an offensive attack. Derrick Henry doing that, that's a scary threat in the backfield. Yeah, and it's the word is threat. Just knowing that, that he could be back there to do that opens up so many things for the Titans. Uh, you know, and then now it's all on it's on tape. Teams teams are gonna have to, you know, if teams have to start stacking the box against this Titans team, that does open up things in their sort of mediocre at best passing game. But it does open things up. You know, Makes you wonder, you know, if this was really, you know, the Titans, are they going to start turning us around? How much more dangerous would they be if Delaney Walker was not out for the year? Yeah, he's a huge threat in the middle of the field. But to your point, if Derrick Henry is that threat, that opens up the, the middle of the field for everybody, whoever the yeah, Titans you know. are now. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell you the name of any of the Tennessee Titans tight ends. You watch Me that neither. team. Do you know who they are? I, I live in the state and I can't tell you any of their tight ends. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> yeah, I know their mediocre receivers uh, could yeah. use some some extra room opening up, whether it's Taewon Taylor or Corey Davis or yeah. uh, when he's back Tajay, from being hurt. Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp. Sharp. Yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. That's not a receiving core that strikes fear in people, but they they seem to get the job done. That's why when you're a quarterback like Mariota, a tight end would be really handy, a big target over the middle. But in lieu of that, you got to just keep winning ugly, and then that's that's what they've been doing last night. <laughs> that wasn't that, a, that was that was winning. That, that was just winning. <laughs> it wasn't winning ugly. 
That was winning. That's now that's now three impressive wins for them this season. <laughs> Congratulations! Hey, a win's Good a win. Okay. Hey, they've beaten. They, 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 I mean, they, they destroyed the Patriots and the Cowboys and now the Jaguars. So they're at least they, at least they have a resume that says six seed. If if that should happen. Well, that's something. Yeah, that's that's good for a rookie. They're catching Houston. I don't think they're catching Houston. No, I don't see that. So no, Mike Vrabel making some of those questionable coaching decisions early in the year and going forward and things like that. uh, Looks like they've gotten back on track and turned it around, and and they they look like they could be a a force, kind of like last year. They you didn't think much of them, then they get in the playoffs and go to Kansas City and go down very early and find a way to come back and win it. I guess that's the Titans' lot in life. Just keep underestimating them and, and keep getting surprised by things that you had no idea that they were capable of doing, such as 99-yard touchdown runs. Well, they are the very definition of under-the-radar team. It's not a market that gets a lot of run. It's just, yeah, the Titans have to be extraordinary to get any kind of press. Last night, they got the spotlight. They were the only team on. It was the primetime game, and today they got a lot of positive press. Exactly. That was probably a lot of people's first time watching Titans football this year. And going by that, you would think Derrick Henry was a stud. <laughs> He's a beast. <laughs> He's got to be in a Pro Bowl for sure. Yeah. What did he do, double his rushing yards for the year with that effort? I mean, <laughs> not good. Not good no. so far for him. He has been a ghost all year. So that's why I said he's rested. Obviously well-rested. He's got fresh legs headed to the playoffs, maybe. So I get that game on you to start the week, so good start for me. Uh, and have got 15 games left to go, so I, I guess we're on a roll. We'll keep doing it uh, the way we've been doing it recently, which is just go down the list and then – It's working. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just game by game, and, and whatever games that we think need extra attention, we'll give it yeah. to them at that point in time. So, And the best part of it is is we're starting to get, you know, we're, every week that goes by, there are just those games that don't need any expansion. <laughs> There's really games that just don't need it. It is truly pick them all time of the year right now. We just pick them all, and there are some dog, dog shit games on the schedule this week. That Lions Cardinals game, if we spend more than thirty seconds on that game, we deserve to run out of time. We deserve yeah. it. Sure. Just so oh, you're right. All right, we'll get started after I give the plugs. You are listening live to blog talk <clears throat> blogtalk slash in much less detail. I'm getting all choked up over here for some reason. <clears throat> because um, I ate some granola right before we went on the air, which is a really, really stupid-ass thing to do. <clears throat> Blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's where you're listening live to the show. To listen to this podcast, after we're off the air, we'll have a little bit of a uh, after show after the live portion is over. You can listen to all of that as one big podcast. Uh, if you tune in, uh, excuse me, subscribe to tune in or Mixcloud or Player.fm or Blueberry or any number of different podcasting apps. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and hit that subscribe button for the low, low price of free. You can also come back to the live show page, blogtalkradio.com slash In Much Less Detail, and our shows are listed uh, as an archive on there. You can go through all 290, I believe, shows that we've done. Uh, you can follow our football picks on the blog when I put them up after the show is over. And the blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. 
You can shoot us an email to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre, and you can follow Jason on Twitter at IMLDJTG. And with that, it's about time to make the rest of the picks for week 14 as the season just keeps rolling along. And only got four weeks left, so going to make them good and make them count. And here goes the rest of all 15 games against the spread for week 14. We'll start up there in Jason's neck of the woods in Wisconsin where the new-look, newfangled Green Bay Packers with their new coach, Joe Philbin. Go get them, Joe. Good luck. Uh, host the Atlanta Falcons, two very disappointing teams, Atlanta at 4-8 and eight and Green Bay at 4-7-1. and one. So disappointing that our man Jay was going to be the man on the scene to see this game live. And what's the verdict? Are you, are you still planning to go to that game or have you backed out altogether? I am out on this game. Oh. So I, I, my wife was, was like, you know, I don't want to sell the tickets. And, you know, and then the idea sprung up like, well, why don't you just take somebody that's not me to the game. So my wife was able to move my ticket to a, a coworker or a friend of hers that she knows through work. She was able to, to, to sell the ticket and, and she's going with a friend. So I am out. I get a day home with the kids, which I'm actually really excited about. I actually get a, a Sunday home with my children and we're not going on a trip or going out of town, which always seems like if I'm off on a Sunday, we're going somewhere. Right. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm home all day with the kids. I'll watch the game. My wife gets to go and enjoy uh, the atmosphere and watch two really lousy teams play football on Sunday. <laughs> and bundle up for that, right? It's going to mean the 20s uh, 24, so. I want to say, is the predicted high. So it's actually pretty warm for what I'm used to for this time <laughs> of year. So it's not the weather so much that was that, that was keeping me out on that one. It was just the whole going through the whole experience and the ordeal and it was just like, you know, I just want to be home. I want to enjoy. I can watch football on TV and actually just kind of enjoy a Sunday at home, which I just don't get that a lot. Piss in your own bathroom. You don't have to pay $10 yeah. for a beer, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that's $800 pretty much for parking. Right. Uh, no, at Lambo 20 you know, 15, Wow, 20. that's unbelievably low for these days. Sure. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not that bad. It, you know, it's Wisconsin. <laughs> like Jerry World, I think it's I think it's legit a hundred bucks to park down there in that's in ridiculous. Dallas. I I know, but that's how it is these days. Anyway, uh, so how do you see this one playing out? It's going to be the Falcons as four point dogs uh, on, on the frozen tundra at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah, I mean, it's bad game. Uh, not the most compelling matchup. The Falcons uh, generally stink. Their uh, their defense is terrible. I don't think their offense is going to play well in this spot. I've seen this before. I met Ryan in the cold. Uh, their running game is non-existent. They are the one of the, if not the worst rushing teams in football. Which is, I can't believe I'm saying that about the Atlanta Falcons. This used to be a run-first play-action. Throw de- it's hard to play action when you have no real threat of running the football. So I look at the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers gets a little bit more focused this week. He, he tried to pretend that he was shocked that Mike McCarthy got fired, and I think he did just as much last week to help Mike McCarthy get fired as anybody else, considering how bad they showed up against the uh, Arizona Cardinals last week. I love the Packers in this matchup. I think Rodgers is now on a little bit of a – little bit of a little quest here I think he knows he's getting a lot of bad publicity in this that this wasn't just a Mike McCarthy you know let's crap on Mike McCarthy fest 
I think Rodgers plays his best game of the year. I'm taking the Packers. Lock it up. He was shocked. Shocked, you say? Yeah. Um, totally stunned. I can't believe he said it with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, uh, Randall Cobb is going to apparently be back for this game as well for, for Green Bay. That's always good. It's probably a, sort of an all-hands-on-deck situation. If you're healthy at all for the Packers, it's time to stand up and show a little pride and do something about what happened. You just got your coach fired. Nobody, uh, no professional likes to know that they got their coach fired unless it's a situation where you want him fired. I, I don't think unless most of the locker room wanted him fired. <laughs> unless it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Uh, but the uh, the the story is that uh, McCarthy was allowed to come back and speak to the team yes. and got a standing ovation from them. So that's definitely a sign of respect, obviously. Um, so I, I I guess I concur. I'm not going to lock it in, but yeah, I think the the Packers do. Uh, you you actually used the same word I did uh, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to uh, say about this game. I was saying that uh, Green Bay has a much tougher team on the frozen tundra this week, uh, the Falcons, all their problems, they should be a tougher test than the, than the Cardinals were for God's sake. But even with that, the Packers should be refocused. They, they should absolutely be more locked in now that they've gone through this drama and this situation, getting their coach fired and whatnot. Um, and I say they do go out, go out and, and get a win for Joe Philbin and, and knock off a, a Falcons team that obviously has had a lot of trouble defending anybody this year. And obviously, Matt Ryan, as you already pointed out, has a bad history of playing in the cold. So I will agree with you and take Green Bay and give the four. On to NFC South action, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And once again, I get to toot my horn about what is one of my best picks of the season in week one when nobody expected uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Patrick Fitzryan, to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into New Orleans uh, and give them a game, much less win. And Tampa did win that game 48-40. to 40. Uh, As I said, some coaches don't have their teams prepared for week one, and Sean Payton is one of those. I believe that makes him 0-4 uh, his last four week ones. And, and the Saints put up 40, so obviously there was some element of being prepared there. The offense was ready to go. Obviously the defense was not. Uh, so Fitzpatrick on that uh, occasion, 417 yards and four touchdown passes, but he's not there this time. When New Orleans goes to Tampa, it'll be – Jameis Winston, but that's like flip-flop number four, right, on the season of quarterbacks. When you talk about going back from Fitzpatrick to Winston, back to Fitzpatrick, now back to Jameis Winston. So uh, maybe this will be the game that uh, they they do the double switch, as you've been calling for, and and bring Fitzpatrick in in the second half and uh, make the tag team effort. (laughs) They they might might well be. Um, In any event, the now red-hot 10-2 New Orleans Saints are 10-point favorites on the road at the 5-7 Buccaneers. Yeah, as much as Sean Payton might not have had his team ready for week one, I think he'll have them ready for week 14, (laughs) especially coming off off the loss that sort of killed the streak uh, last week in Dallas. I think they're refocused. Uh, I don't think that the Buccaneers are going to sneak one in here on this Saints team. Uh, The Saints don't want to lose any more ground in a potential scenario uh, for possible home field. Uh, I think they come out and they squish the Bucs. I'm going to take the Saints and give them all. Deshaun uh, Jackson not playing in this game for the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston has been better since this latest reincarnation and reinstatement, whatever. He has played better, more controlled football. He has not been as wild. He has not been 
turning it over and making stupid mistakes. So uh, the 10 points scares me. I'm, I'm going to concur with you and take New Orleans and give the 10 because I'm going to err on the side of New Orleans should be pissed off uh, after the Dallas game. Uh, they got the extra rest, and they also should be pissed off at Tampa coming in in week one and, and knocking them off, and they should get some revenge on, on all of that. So those factors uh, make me want to take New Orleans and give the 10. But it, it's a big number. I'm, I'm scared of that one. If you're thinking of playing that one, I, I'd say you can find other places to safely put your money. We'll get to those uh, as we go along here, much more safe places. Yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, the gamblers are probably staying away from this one. I don't, I don't I like so. it. And I, but I think what really is scaring people off of this one is that week one game, you know, that 48-40 just absolute shootout that nobody saw. I mean, it, that was – I mean, yes, you you called – you took the bucks, but I don't think you saw that, you know. I did not so take 88 points, yeah, no. Yeah, there's winning a pick, and then you, you can win a pick and still not be right about what you thought was going to happen. That was not what either one of us saw happening was Brad Fitzjohnson – uh, going insane, you know, to the to basically Fitz Magic, you know, and the, the whole first two week meteoric thing that they had going on until that, you know, fell on its face. Even in that game against Pittsburgh, uh, he still played great when they lost that game on that Monday night. Um, he had a couple picks, but he still put up all the yards. So the Tampa Bay offense can clearly move the football. They they, they have a lot of talented skill position players, but but I think they're they, they've worn thin at this point. And their their defense just their defense is not they're one of the they're very toward much towards the bottom of the league in in defense and I think the Saints defense is better than what the rankings show because this game they played in Week One had a lot to do with setting them off on the wrong foot. That definitely was a lot of yards to give up in Week One, yeah, um, and points obviously. Um, yeah, last night is actually the a great example of you can make a pick correctly and be completely wrong about it. Because I talked up Marcus Mariota leading the mm-hmm. Titans to victory because he's been throwing much better and, and throwing <laughs> more bombs and making bigger plays in the air. And I said the Jaguars would outrush the Titans uh, and Marcus Mariota would lead them back to victory through the air. That is 100% not what uh, happened. No, that was not what that was a that was domination from Jump Street. I mean, uh, oh. we're not talking. I'm not here to talk about the past. <laughs> okay, Mark. Uh, I will move on to uh, another game that the betters are probably shying away from: Carolina and Cleveland. What in the world to make of either one of these teams? Uh, so it's up to us to try to figure it out. Uh, six and six, Carolina with Cam Newton playing as iffy as can be, uh, are still one point favorites on the road at Baker Mayfield and the four seven and one Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and just to show you how fast things change, a month ago the Panthers were playoff bound. People were talking about Cam Newton could be a, a dark horse MVP. Uh, he, yeah, no, it, it's gone from looking really good to, wow, how are they wasting the season that Christian McCaffrey is having, having for that team? The, the production that they're getting out of him, and he, they just keep losing. And it's like, man, you kind of feel bad that this has gone to six and six because it's kind of a kind of a fun team, a lot of storylines. You know, Cam Newton loves he loves to pout, and he's always he's always electric to watch. He's very dynamic, but boy, it feels like the feels like the, the wheels are coming off this thing. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the Browns at home. I think the Browns are a tough out at home. Um, 
I don't think their defense is ranked terrible, but it's, I think it's one of those again, where I think it's better than the ranking. I think they've just had a few really bad games, but I don't think when I look at the Cleveland Browns, I don't go, Oh yeah, it's the league's third worst defense. I could think of teams that if you made, if you pinned me down, I would say have worse defenses than Cleveland. I still think Cam Newton's hurt. He came off the injury report today. I'm not buying it. He's hurt. (laughs) That does seem like a bit of a PR move, doesn't it? Oh, he's fine. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things to be scared about in this game. I'm scared oh, of Cam's and shoulder. And the Panthers switched their kicker because he's hurt. Uh, Graham Gano is uh, supposedly yeah. hurt. Uh, he, he's also been ineffective, so that might be one of those type of injuries. Like, you're, you're hurt, kid. I am? Yeah, you're oh, hurt. He's, Go sit down. He's, oh, he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, hurt. Um. So there's there's always that we don't have any kicker talk ever on on our show, but there's a little kicker update for you. Um, but yeah, scared of Cam's arm, scared to to trust the Brown Fever, scared to trust that defense uh, that may be better than the numbers say. But I tell you what, they they one of the, the the best player on the defense is the cornerback, the rookie cornerback Denzel Ward, and he's hurt and he's not going to play. So really scared to trust him now. But can Cam take advantage of that with his shoulder? Uh, one of his weapons goes down. Greg Olson had been hobbling around all year and still making plays, but now he's completely finished for the year. His career might be over. Uh, just a lot of red flags going around uh, in every direction you look in that game. Um, I go to the PFF stat to try to put me over the top to which way I'm going to go, and they point out how good the rookie running back Nick Chubb has been for the Browns this year. He's averaging – 4.5 yards after contact per carry, not 4.5 yards per carry, 4.5 yards after the first hit. Uh, and they say if he finishes the season at that rate, it would be the best mark in the history of PFF ever by any running wow. back. Well, that's that's impressive. damn impressive. Absolutely. So you're saying uh, so I'm going to – well, that's the, that I'm scared of the brown fever not being smart enough to keep feeding that kid the rock. But uh, in, lieu, in lieu of that, I will uh, take the brown fever along with you and, and trust that they will find a way. And, and the Panthers have been finding a way to lose. So that might be one of those deals that they just find somehow find a way. And Ron Rivera looks like his seat is getting hotter by the second. So something to watch for there. AFC East action is the Bills and the Jets. If we spend more than 30 seconds on this game, we deserve to get cut off as well. Uh, although that there's mystery there because Sam Darnold is cleared for the Jets to play, but uh, Todd Bowles is having some mystery issues and he doesn't want to main, name him the starter again. So we don't know technically if he's going to go over. It's going to be Jake McCrown again. So don't know if it matters either way. The three and nine Jets, three and a hook, three and a half point dogs at the four and eight Buffalo Bills. Yeah, this is a rematch uh, from a game they played back in November where the Bills won 41-10. to 10. Uh, I'll wow. take the Bills. I'll take the Bills here. That was uh, interesting for several reasons. 41-10 to 10 is, is always like, wow, that anyone that can dominate anyone like that in the NFL these days. But that was even more interesting. That wasn't the project Josh Allen. He was hurt. And that wasn't uh, Sean – uh, McDermott's pet project, uh, Nate Peterman either, uh, because he was so bad they had to bench him, and so that was Matt Barkley coming the in Matt off the Barkley game, yeah, to go for two thirty-two with two TDs um, to to just completely own the New York Jets. So yeah, I, I can't trust the Jets. Don't know who their quarterback is. I shouldn't find any 
room against the Buffalo defense, whoever the QB is. Uh, so I concur. I will also take the Bills along with you. I uh, think we can sneak in a call real quick. I, I, I trust this guy to not be an idiot, so I'm going to go ahead and sneak him in. It is Naj in Atlanta. What's up, Naj? Uh, ain't much, man. You're very liberal with your trust, sir. But uh, <laughs> I hope you uh, guys are having a good night. Uh, look, man, that Buffalo disaster, I mean, that's essentially what got uh, Todd Bowles fired. He hasn't been fired yet, but I think we know where that's going. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the thing that sticks out most in this season, I think if I can kind of veer away just to get my pet peeve point in, uh, we keep doing this thing. I, I, I railed on this before where we say, oh, running backs don't matter. It's a quarterback-driven league. Yes and no, because running backs who can catch the ball and also run effectively are kind of the most important thing on the really good teams we see right now, from Kamara to, you know, McCaffrey to Melvin Gordon, you know, Todd Gurley, of course. Like, that's what matters. Uh, so people can talk all the stuff they want to about quarterback this, quarterback that. Uh, Baker Mayfield was kind of struggling because he's a rookie. Uh, but until Chubb came in and provided that extra benefit of the running game, then we saw Baker Mayfield start to do some of the things we expected him to do. And, and this is across the league, but we're still presenting this myth about running backs when having a running back on a rookie deal is just about the best contract you can have if he's a Saquon Barkley type. So I just wanted to get that 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 piece off my chest once again. But uh, I, I hate the way things are going in Buffalo because I've been making money on Josh Allen since he's come back, and now <laughs> I think everybody else is going to be on to it. So that, that little advantage I had is gone. Uh, he, he's basically learning to play the game like Cam Newton. Uh, he's a really big guy, hard to bring down, so he's going to get rushing yards. And – you know, he gets choke plays as a passer. Uh, you, you'd like to see him become more accurate and get better. But, I mean, that's, that's going to come. But I, I think Josh Allen is kind of – he silenced the critics who thought he couldn't play at all. So now it's about putting the system in place and kind of developing him. But, uh, you know, he, he's a special kind of athlete. And, you know, these are the guys who we criticize for not being traditional. But, man, it, it damn sure is effective. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who can't, you know – throw the ball effectively yet, but he's still making plays, and it matters. And I think we got to get rid of some of the old paradigms. So that's my soapbox. I'm going to hang back and listen to you guys and uh, see if y'all give me a play this weekend. I can make some money on it, you know? All right, Nash. Appreciate the call, man. Well, you know, and Josh Allen, Josh Allen kind of sold me, not that he's, I mean, I don't think he's going to be like the greatest, you know, he's not the next Jim Kelly up in Buffalo, but Josh Allen sold me in that Minnesota game when he went up there against that Minnesota team and that defense. And I mean, they, that was a stunner and he played great. And you just kept waiting for like, okay, the Vikings are going to come back now and the Viking comeback is going to start now. And it never happened. And, and the Bills went on and they won that game. I know you and I have had these conversations the last few shows about who's going to be the team that's going to be the, you know, the team to beat once the Patriots fall off the throne. And I keep telling you, I think closest team in that division to contending. And then it's, it's a terrible division, <laughs> but you know, the bills, they, they're the number two defense in football right now, uh, which is something that just blew me away when I saw that this week, like the, the bills still are riding high on that defense. If they they just get that offense figured out, they it's a team that could make noise and maybe legitimately make the playoffs 
in, in the season or two to come. Not like the way they made the playoffs last year, which was the, one of the biggest jokes of all time. Well, they tried to not make the playoffs and somehow <laughs> made it anyway. The first team that ever tried to tank and still made the playoffs, yes. Man. Uh, that that's, that running back discussion is, is interesting and, and something that needs a little more time maybe in the after show. But that's a point that gets bigger for us, I think, you and I, as we get into the playoff season. The running game, week mm-hmm. 14, eh, there's still so many games that just don't matter. When the good teams play the good teams, it matters. And, and especially as you get into January, that this is a conversation. I talk about this all the time in January. Um you know, when 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 everything you know sphincters start getting tight, if you can run the ball, uh, you you can be in a better position than if you can't at all. So sure, on with the show. All right, uh, back to our picks. We'll go to Baltimore and Kansas City, which I'm sure will get a lot of uh, uh, time from both of us with the sort of a styles clash there. The one of the top ranked defenses in the Ravens, one of the obviously top ranked offenses in the Chiefs, and the seven and five Ravens with. I guess Lamar Jackson back under center. This is another mystery a little bit with Joe Flacco uh, listed as yeah. questionable. Looks like he's uh, he could play if they if they want him to, but looks like once again John Harbaugh is going to go. And we 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 got this. We're good. We we don't need to write write this second. You go ahead and sit there, and, and we'll, we'll call on you if we need you. But don't call us. We'll call you. Uh, the seven and five Ravens, six point underdogs at the ten and two Kansas City Chiefs. This is one where I made my pick, and I've got it right here in my notes for my, my when I made the pick for this one. It says, uh, wait. I just put KC Baltimore wait. And by that I meant wait for the spread, because this spread has moved a lot. This has mm-hmm. been, I've seen it as high as eight, and six is by far the lowest I've seen. Money is coming in on the Baltimore Ravens. This seems to be a very popular pick this week. I'm not buying it. This three-game winning streak for Lamar Jackson, even though the Kansas City Chiefs play no defense, the three teams that Lamar Jackson have beat, has beaten are hot garbage. I mean, we, we, they are tire fire, dumpster fire, toxic waste pit. I mean, there is nothing good about the three teams at all. Three good wins, I mean, you can't take them away. Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, this is a completely different story. I, I understand the narrative. The narrative says, oh, they're going to try to shorten the game. Uh, they possess the ball for 37 minutes. They, they're just going to, they're going to grind it down. It doesn't matter because when the Chiefs have the ball at home against anybody, they are going to move the ball. They are relentless with that offense. I think that's enough to keep them at least a touchdown clear of the Ravens here. I don't think this is a typical 40-point effort. I do think that the Ravens will be successful keeping the score low. But all I need is a seven-point win, and I think the Chiefs are capable of doing that at home. So I'm going to go ahead and give the six. It will be fascinating, that taffy pull between the fast-break Kansas City offense and then the slow-down Baltimore running attack, definitely trying to win that time of possession and keep the Chiefs offense off the field. That's the way to go. Uh, I don't know if you're going to beat them uh, trying to stay up tempo and have Lamar Jackson uh, run around and try to match that fast break offense. I, I can't imagine it being very successful that way. Um, so I had, that, had to go to the numbers and sort of rely on that a little bit. The Ravens are definitely uh, trending up with the running attack, not just with Lamar Jackson, but also the undiscovered running back Gus Edwards has been sort of his tag team partner in all of that. And, and they've both been, uh, 
jumping up the Baltimore running attack, but necessarily the passing attack has definitely taken a, a drop off. Um, and to imagine the Ravens keeping up with Kansas City's offense without being able to throw very much, it's really hard to imagine. And, and I understand the Chiefs are 32nd in the league uh, in pass defense, but I just don't think Lamar Jackson has the game skills right now to take advantage of that and use the, the veteran receivers that he has. Joe Flacco might have taken advantage of that. I really do think this is one of those situations where – John Harbaugh has gotten gotten away with three games with this kid quarterback that he didn't really trust to be a quarterback at early in the year. It had him running around and trying to do slash things like he's Cordell Stewart. Uh, and now he's got three wins out of him since starting him. And he's thinking, yeah, I got something here. Let's keep it rolling. No, I, I think it, the role ends here. Uh, I agree with you on that. I think Andy Reid's uh, weird geometry and innovation will win out and, and, and make sure that Kansas city, keeps that ball moving even against the Baltimore uh, defense, which has been uh, very much uh, at the top of their game this year. But uh, I, I think uh, at home uh, they'll keep it moving and, and keep the, and even if they lose the time of possession, I think they'll keep the ball moving enough and keep the ball in the air. No huddle uh, Ravens will be sort of on roller skates and, and off of their game. And, and the chiefs are at the top of their game right now. So I concur with you. I'll take KC and give the six. I didn't know. I wasn't aware that they were as much as eight point favorites when it's open, but that's, yeah, that so that's me. the thing where if it was seven and a half or eight, I was probably, I mean, I was going to really get cute on this spread at oh. seven and a half or eight. I was probably going to take the points. I, I could see a touchdown game here. I was a little bit more tempted at six. I love the chiefs at six. This, this feels like a game where they're going to trade field goals for touchdowns a lot, and you don't win games that way. See, I got KC uh, taking the kid and putting him on his heels and, and throwing some things at him that he hasn't really seen, uh, and I got KC winning by, like, 24. I, I think they're going to oh, okay. tamp them down pretty big. Sure. All right, we'll move on to uh, NFC East Giants and the Redskins. Oh, those poor Washington Redskins. They just keep losing players left and right, so – now they're on their third quarterback with uh, with the Sanchez, who we remember we remember our original nickname for Mark Sanchez way back when he was drafted fifth overall as a quarterback, and he very quickly earned a, a special nickname. We talk about our glossary, uh, our special nickname for Mark Sanchez based total on his quality fraud. of play. Total fraud. I haven't even thought of that since you just brought it up. I was I was like. Oh my God! What was his nickname? What was his nickname? And then it just like sprung into my head: total fraud. Mark Sanchez, total fraud. It just it, it fit perfectly. It's just when you said the word the name Mark Sanchez, the words total fraud just sprung to mind. So it was just yeah. a, a natural fit for us. Uh, so yeah, it's like whenever fraud. I hear Taylor Swift, I automatically say talentless hack. <laughs> there you go. Just seamlessly, just naturally comes out. Uh, so total fraud in the Redskins at six and six at home. They are three and a half point dogs hosting Eli Manning and the four and eight New York Giants. It's not enough. It's Mark Sanchez. We do get <laughs> a week's worth of Mark Sanchez highlights to just add to the compilation, uh, the comedy of errors that is the career of Mark Sanchez. Yeah, no, Giants squish. Yeah, I, I concur. It's not enough. Uh, although. Like I said, he had the punch, uh, 
butt fumble before, and now he has, he's yeah. got the butt fumble recovery that he had in his his, his first start, yeah. where he was bouncing the ball around his his ass while he's lying on the ground. Um, I, I I will say I'm still, I'm, I'm, just, I'm still seeing that play where he's running around with the ball out looking for a guy somebody to take hand this it ball. to. Somebody, with. anybody, take this ball. He anybody. finally gives somebody. it to a wide receiver like 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That was an NBA play. I meant to say, uh, say that when you brought it up on the last show. That was when the shot clock is running down in the NBA and it's down to like two and one. And the guy that has the ball at that point needs to put up a shot, but he doesn't want to bring his field goal percentage down. Uh, oh, he, he, oh, he just so dribbles he, around? No, he passes it to somebody who's got oh, okay. one second to jack it up. And he's like, are you kidding me? What, what yeah. are you doing? Now he's got a jacket well, terrible stuff. Until he gave the ball to the receiver, he looked like J.R. Smith back there. Running the wrong way. Yeah, I kind of uh, expected LeBron to be standing in the backfield looking at Sanchez, like, what are you doing? <laughs> With his hands out and his eyes. Yeah. Out, what? what are you doing? What? <laughs> this way, idiot. No. <laughs> um, I will say, though, uh, I'm, I'm not very confident at all in taking the Giants and giving three and a half uh, against anybody. They're still not a very good team, and it would just be so – we talk about that so Ravens. This would be so Giants uh, to oh, beat to Chicago, to, to beat the Chicago Bears and that defense at home and then come back and lose to Sanchez, to lose a total fraud. That, that would be such a Giants move, but Don't I'm going to take it anyway. <laughs> well, we'll both go down if it happens. I, I so we'll... don't think we've disagreed yet. You are correct. You know, what we've also done is, is just about run out of time in a live show. We, we took the call and that We're messed us up. Fun. But... We're having too much fun. All right, let's exactly. get going. Uh, Houston and Indy, uh, AFC South action, and the Indianapolis Colts at 6-6 six and six coming off of a NFL shutout, which is extremely rare in yeah. today's NFL, uh, are four-and-a-half-point underdogs at the red-hot nine-and-three, nine-in-a-row Houston Texans. Yeah, that's like white hot, scorching hot every game they win. They set an NFL record for the most wins after starting 0-3. I worry a little bit about this one because of the Colts bouncing back off a shutout. Like, they're not that bad on offense. They are one of the better offensive teams. But the Texans play some defense. That offense is really good, and they can run the ball. They're rolling right now. Texans, I think, are sneaky, sneaky good. And nobody, I don't think anybody's given them any run other than the streak. And nobody's really looking at them as a team that can go into the playoffs and do damage. I think they are. And I will take the Texans to keep it going. Ten in a row. This, this all started uh, in Indianapolis, if you remember, going back to week four when the Texans are 0-3 and desperate for a win and oh, yeah, get the toast. job done. Yeah, they, they were told it Indian is a 37-34 win. They got it done behind Deshaun Watson uh, coming back and, and getting his, himself in order and he, yeah. he had well, the there injury. Coaching, uh, there were some coaching brain farts in that one, if I recall. Yeah, um, but also Deshaun was 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 going off. He got hot, three seventy five yeah. and two TDs. So that was that was a big part of it. Was he figured himself out uh, getting over his injuries and whatnot that he had early in the year? Uh, so that was the first win of this streak, and now we come back full circle uh, to hosting the Colts and a couple of big factors in this one. T.Y. Hilton has a bad shoulder. Uh, you know how I feel about the Colts' offense. When T.Y. is less than 100%, it really, really takes a big tumble. He's so important to that uh, to that offense. Um, and Andrew Luck going from getting shut out in Jacksonville now to travel to Houston and go against that pressure is, seems like a one-two kind of punch to the face that I don't think is going to go well for, for Luck and the Colts. So I agree with you. And then 
continue to agree with you and take Houston and give the four and a half. Uh, I, I can definitely concur on that. Yeah, this is, uh, this is about the longest we've gone where we've uh, <laughs> been completely lockstep like yeah. this. This is seven in a row now. You should be worried because uh, <laughs> I might be bringing you down. Oh, no. Well, I might be bringing you up uh, the way I've been picking this year, so we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, let's see if we can make it eight in a row with uh, more AFC East action, New England and Miami. I was surprised to look at uh, apparently New England's uh, history at Miami. Recent history is not very good. I don't know what's going on there, but they have not played well uh, the last several games in Miami, including losing last year. Um, but nine and three, New England, they can put it away and win the division if they win this year. Seven and a half point favorites on the road at six and six in Miami. Just the fact that it's in the press, that it's this big deal that the the Patriots, they struggle at Miami and, you know, this is going to be the Dolphins time. You know, those, those times when the Patriots were going there is when the Dolphins were sort of like trying to ascend. They were still a good team and they were trying to be that team that was going to knock off the Patriots. And they really had that motivation to be that. They're not that right now. I think the Patriots go in there and squish them pretty hard. I'm going to give them all and take the Patriots. Uh, this is a rematch of a week four game in which New England beat the hell out of the Dolphins 38-7 to up at home. Uh, beat them so bad that they were up 38 nothing, and Ryan Tannehill had to get yanked in that game for Brock Osweiler, which is never a good sign. Um, and this is also not a good sign when your best defender is the cornerback, Xavier Howard, and he's hurt and he's out of the game and he will not play at all. Um, you talk about the wrong team to go against uh, with a, when your when your best quarterback is hurt uh, and not going to be able to play. Uh, yeah, I'm with you with all of those reasons. Uh, in the press that they struggle at Miami, uh, division title on the line, just perfect place to sew it up and, and put the Dolphins under, you know, six feet under completely. Uh, ultimate motivation for New England to go in and destroy the Dolphins again. And I concur with you uh, for an, an eighth pick in a row. <laughs> Folks, we don't we we don't plan it this way. All right, that wraps up the entire uh, early afternoon schedule in which we have no games at all that we disagree on and have no reason to watch. So let's see if we have any reason to watch in the afternoon, in the late afternoon. Cincinnati and the Clippers, the five and seven Bengals with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback and AJ Green is now hurt and out for the year, and it, it just gets worse and worse for Cincinnati. Uh, fourteen point underdogs, biggest spread of the week at the nine and three Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, and you know how I love spots like this for the teams. Like, oh, okay, everything is going the Chargers' way. The Bengals are starting a crap quarterback, and then you know, AJ Green is gone, and it's boy, nothing. And so, yeah, I'm going to take the Bengals, right? Uh, yo, hell no, I'm taking the Chargers. <laughs> Give them all. Even I won't take this one. Even you got to stay away from that. It's like the Jason special, and I'm not taking it. Uh, I, uh, Vontez Burfick is also uh, hurt and injured and out, although that's probably a good thing for Cincinnati, the way he plays sometimes. Um, I'm so not taking it that I completely concur, and I'm telling you, it's definitely not enough. I'm not even fucking around. I'm giving the 14, and I'm locking that shit up because they should win 45 to three. That's what I was, I was going to say, 38 to three. So we're thinking on the same page there. I got a last minute touchdown after they're up 38 to three. A last minute defensive touchdown where they knock ah, okay. the ball out and pick up and, and run it in. That's that's how I got that happening. 
And if it does happen that way, I think I need to start playing the lottery. All right, that's nine in a row that we agree on. So, uh, Denver and San Francisco, the 6-6 six and six Broncos, trying to get on a bit of a roll as the season goes on here. Uh, three and a hug. There's another hook. Three and a half point favorites on the road at the 2-10 and 10 49ers. I was all set up to take the Broncos in this one. I had the Broncos all week because I was all that Broncos defense, that Broncos defense, that Broncos defense is 25th in the league. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, the Niners are, are stunningly just mediocre at everything. Even though this team is missing Jimmy Garoppolo, their their season's done. They're two and ten. I think they're actually a better team than their record indicates. I'm going to look for the Niners to spring the upset. Oh my! Um, th- this is really frightening. I was looking at Denver all week as well, and then I sort of looked at the the hook, and I looked at uh, two very important veterans uh, went down to injury this week and are lost for for the year. Uh, in Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver, and the top cornerback, Chris Harris, both go down for the Broncos. Uh, San Francisco had a key injury as well. Matt Breida is not going to play the running back, so their starter, their starting running back is going to be something named Jeff Wilson. I, I have no idea who no. that is. No Pierre Garçon, and it doesn't matter because the 49ers just keep producing yards and points somehow. I have no idea how, uh, but I concur. I'm taking the points. I'm not taking them necessarily to win. Uh, but I am taking the hook. I, I'm definitely afraid of that hook. I can see them losing by three very easily. This is creepy. <laughs> it is. All right, on to Pittsburgh and Oakland. Let's see if we agree on this one. The 7-4-1 and one Steelers coming off of a couple of different weeks in which they just found a way to lose, just somehow strung together the right incidents and coincidences and found a way to lose football games. Uh, can they recover out in Oakland against Murga? They are 10-and-a-half-point favorites at the 2-10 and 10 yeah. Oakland Raiders. Nobody, and I mean nobody, plays to the level of their competition like the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Raiders. Did you know that the last three times these teams played, they were all field goal games, and these are teams on wildly different trajectories I think they're going to play this one close. I think that Derek Carr has been sneaky good um, because the Raiders have been so bad. Everything they do that's good is sneaky. I'm going to take the Raiders to keep this within ten and a half. The Steelers, Steelers just do this. They're just, they're not going to show up till the fourth quarter when they go. Oh crap, we're losing to the Raiders. Let's go win the game, guys! Quick, quick, quick. They uh, also will be dealing without their running back, Baby Terminator, who got hurt. So their running backs are going to be. Jalen Samuels, uh, and of course the former Patriot Stephen Ridley, uh, that we remember when he used to be good many years ago. Uh, I, we're finally going to diverge here because I think the Steelers' defense will be a little more challenging than what Kansas City provided last week when they got uh, uh, they, they allowed Oakland to come back and gave me that lock that I was sweating for very profusely for for that one. But uh, yeah, I think. Uh, Whatever the score might be at, at halftime, I think the Steelers' defense can come out and do a lot better in the second half than what the Chiefs did. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh to cover that ten and a half, and and I I know they don't uh, necessarily play to their play up and, and destroy the competition that they're supposed to, but I think in this case, when you got two games like that in a row that they found a way to blow. You got to think that's that's going to sort of refocus them, right? That's that's got to snap them into into attention and uh, make sure that they don't choke against against Murga, right? 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 Yeah. 
So that's one that we disagree on. Uh, moving on to the Eagles and the Cowboys, which is, of course, for first place in the NFC least. Uh, you got the world champion, six and six Eagles, three and a half. There's another hook, three and a half point yeah. underdogs at the seven and five current division leading Dallas Cowboys. The hook's just icing on the cake. I actually like the Eagles to go in and do what the Cowboys went and did when the Eagles were supposed to be the hot shit team. So I think the Eagles go in and return the favor. I don't think the Cowboys are as good as they think they are. This is the come down game after they beat the Saints. Eagles take control of the division. They're the best team in the division anyways. And eventually the cream rises to the top. Give me the Eagles. Well, Dallas did look pretty damn good. Uh, Four weeks ago, when they knocked off the Eagles 27-20 to 20 up in Philadelphia, it was a great game for Ezekiel Elliott, 151 yards on the ground and a touchdown. It was a great game for Dak Prescott. He played excellently as well. No turnovers. Uh, I don't think the, uh, the the Dak to Amari connection that seems to have sort of rejuvenated Dak Prescott as quarterback, I don't think that fades away against this busted-up Philadelphia defensive back core. Um, and, and Dallas's defense is absolutely peaking at the right time. All those young guys are coming together and playing some fucking great football, not just good, but great. Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys and give the three and a half. I think they're on a roll, and I don't think the Eagles have what it takes to, to stop them. They got some bulletin board material as well with the Eagles linebacker Camus Grugier-Hill saying that the Cowboys, quote, always choke, unquote, out of, I have no idea who Camus Bougier-Hill is. Okay, first of all, if it's true, is it billboard material? Eh, it Eh? is if it motivates them, yes. (laughs) No matter how true it may be. Okay. Now, I think we both agree that that the bulletin board material thing is overblown, but I was just throwing it in. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I'm if just you need it that in. to get up, if you really, if you need that to get up for the game, uh, you got problems. Right, but I don't think the Cowboys need that to get up. But I think there'll just be that little extra edge that if they, if there was any chance that there wouldn't be any extra edge, now there definitely will be because they're going to see that guy and they're going to say, okay, you you want to see some choke? Watch this, choke on this. So I think just <laughs> just a little extra edge. Uh, so hey, we disagree on two. Uh, so here's that Detroit-Arizona uh, toilet bowl game of the yep. week. Uh, the 4-8 and eight Lions are two-and-a-half-point favorites at the 3-9 and nine Cardinals. Yeah, don't don't buy into what the Cardinals did last week against the Packers. They're still DFL on offense. They, they, they're DFL in passing. It's it, it was the white mouse game, right? You know what that means? <laughs> don't you believe it. That's right. Don't you believe it. Don't you believe in the Arizona Cardinals. I will take the Lions because their stunning mediocrity is way better than what the Cardinals are going to produce. And Matthew Stafford's not trying to get his coach fired. I am going to believe it, and I'm going to take the Cardinals, not because they're any great shakes, but because Matthew Stafford without Golden Tate is bad. (laughs) Sunday night football. Uh, which we really should uh, expand on this in the after shows. So, uh, let, yeah. Let's get these two picks in late uh, live and then expand on them later yeah, on. But Sunday night, Los Angeles Rams at 11 and one three point favorites on the road at the eight and four Chicago bears Rams bears and Monday night, Minnesota at six, five and one the Vikings and the Seahawks, uh, both wildcard teams currently, Six, five, and one Vikings, three point dogs on the road at seven and five Seattle. T 
team that's not starting Kirk Cousins at quarterback. <laughs> I'll take the team that is starting Kirk Cousins. Oh, so we wound up disagreeing quite a bit in the end. Yeah. So it's going to be all afternoon and, and prime time for us. So looks like we're sneaking into the after show here in a second or two. Exactly one second. You hit that wall right on the button like a talented DJ. Very good. All right, into the VIP after show program. Yeah, uh, the the last few games, and, and I surprised myself with, with a couple of those picks. I didn't think I was going to wind up taking the Bears uh, over the Rams. I didn't either. I almost and guarantee. I was, and, and again, though, the Bears, the Bears are the cool pick. And that's what I'm trying to stay away from this week. It was weird because I kept hearing all week, oh, it's a it's a heavy underdog week. Oh, underdogs are going to rule the week. And I am so – and it's weird because you and I, for most of this week, are very favorite heavy in a week that's supposed to be all oh, the week of the underdogs. Look at all these big dogs. Look at the Bears are dogs at home. You know, the this Bears-Rams game – is going to be, I think, a lot like that Bears-Patriots game. Not that the Patriots are oh, in the God, Rams are on the same level, but I think this is going to be one of those. It's going to be high scoring, which I think favors the Rams. I think that I don't think that this is going to be the Rams. They're just going to wilt completely under the pressure of going Chicago, and they're not going to know what to do. That de- that offense can score in so many ways. I mean, Todd Gurley is the best or second best running back in football. He could catch the ball out of the backfield. They have all the wide receiver weapons. I don't think that Sean McVay and that offense are going to go in there and be scurred at all. Nope. I don't think they're going to go in and be scurred either. Um, and I didn't, like I said, I didn't think I was going to wind up taking Chicago, but just looking into the numbers, it's it's all about the Rams who had been slumping uh, going, coming into last week, coming off the bye, they go up yeah. to Detroit. They're no longer slumping after that, but that's Detroit. This is Chicago. It's a completely different animal. So this this, I, I don't think this is a Detroit. So I don't think uh, the Bears are going to succeed because there's any kind of fear in the Rams uh, coming in. I think Chicago is just a much better defense, and they're going to play much better, and they're going to hold the, uh, the Rams to under 30, uh, which the Lions could not do. Uh, and Mitch Trubisky coming back at quarterback for Chicago makes a big difference as well because there's no chance in hell I'm doing this with Chase Daniel. But uh, Trubisky at home coming back makes a big, big difference. The Rams' defense uh, allowing teams to go up and down on them makes a big, big difference. And I think Trubisky can go up and down on the Rams and sort of match what uh, what Jared Goff does, which is, again, going to be the downfall once the playoffs come for the Rams that – uh, defenses, whatever the offense does, the defense will allow the other team to go ahead and match. And then at the end, it's going to be a, a close battle and whatever team has the uh, veteran leadership and the experience and knows how to win close games late will come out on top. And that's probably going to be whoever the opponent of the Rams is, but I'm getting ahead of myself there. In this case, yeah. Chicago doesn't necessarily have the veteran leadership to pull it out, but I just think uh, being at home with the little boost uh, of Trubisky coming back, a little bit of a, uh, extra emotion. Another Sunday nighter at Soldier Field is going to be another rocking house in Chicago. Uh, L.A. trending down with the numbers. Vic Fangio and that Chicago defense trending up. His name is trending up. I've heard him being talked about as uh, a potential head coach next year. So 
No reason for, for them to backslide here. He's got all the momentum going forward. I wonder if Khalil Mack will respond to a lot of the talk that we've been hearing in the media this week about how much of a, of a MVP candidate Aaron Donald is. I think Khalil Mack may be one of those types to sit there and go, huh, he's an MVP candidate, huh? Yeah. I mean, think yeah, about yeah, the with things that, that I've done this year. With the middling defensive ranks of the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, they can't stop the run at all. So how can you – Who? first of all, where did this stock come from? I haven't heard, heard any. That. I have not heard any Aaron Donald MVP or Defensive Player of the Year. I haven't heard any of that. Maybe I'm just uh, missing it. But. Some ESPN pro, TV programming, well, definitely, and also, well, and also some the NFL Network like podcasting covers that I, yeah. I, you know, obviously I can't hear everything, but I've in, in multiple places I have heard that Aaron Donald should be considered a, uh, not just a defensive MVP candidate, but MVP of the whole league candidate. And that's, as great as Aaron moronic. Donald has been, <laughs> the 16 and a half sacks from the uh, middle of the defensive line is ridiculous. I admit that. But when you talk about what Khalil Mack had been doing the first half of the year, and I know he fell off a little bit, but good God, he was absolutely owning everything uh, and everybody that he was playing against. So to say that, Donald is that much clearly better than, than Khalil Mack. I think Khalil Mack might have a little bit of a chip coming into this game and go, okay, you want to talk about him as MVP? Let's see what I can do. Let's watch some of the stuff that I do out here. So I think he's going to be motivated to sort of take control of that game. And we know Khalil Mack can take control of a game all by himself. We've seen it multiple times. Aaron Donald can oh, yeah. too, but but that's just how I feel about this game. I think Khalil Mack's going to respond to that uh, Aaron Donald for MVP chatter. Um, and hey, Bare weather might make a difference. The Rams don't play a lot of games in 30-degree weather. So mid-30s, I guess they're calling for, low to mid-30s in that game. It doesn't. The weather doesn't scare me. This doesn't feel like a weather game. Cold just isn't weather, and this isn't brutal cold. These are guys who are wearing football gears. They're going to be running around. They're going to be sweating. This isn't like six degrees, you know, with, with a stiff breeze. Um, I don't think that 30 Five is all that scary to a to a football player out there in pads. I'm, I'm going to bring something up that I, I don't want race to be a part of this at all. That's not what I'm talking about. But Uh-oh. I'm saying that you, mean you, you being yeah, you people. No, you being in Wisconsin might be a little uh, averse to the cold, or, or you know, not averse, but uh, oh, I know if you're coming from LA, cool. 35 is just like you know the that's what I'm trying to get at. That down here in Memphis, it's been in the 40s all week. People have been dying on the street, or at least acting like they're dying on the street. Oh my God, it's so cold down here. It's been it's been in the 40s, um, and, and I just of course laugh being from Chicago. But there's something to that. If you're if you're used to 70 all the time, 40 does yeah. kind of feel like Siberia a little bit to you. I'm okay, I, I can understand that. I can totally under, I can totally respect and understand that because you know, right right now looking you at up it, there and uh, uh, forty degrees up there probably feels like you you need to take out your shorts and, and beach shirt. Yeah, well, just so you know, right now here the temperature outside is nine. <laughs> Good God! Okay, yeah, I, I can't even fathom yeah. that right now where I am. The temperature here right now nine <laughs> degrees. If it were nine degrees in Memphis, I think the entire city would be like closed. Every 
restaurant, yeah. you just close every yeah. every I, I store. Told, I've told the story about when I drove down to Atlanta uh, for a playoff game, and, and not this last time with my wife, but when I went down there, uh, it, oh, geez, two thousand and what five? I think it might have been when I drove down to Atlanta for a playoff. Michael Vick was still playing for him, and it was I don't know sixty in Atlanta. And you should have seen the people. You should have seen the bundled up people. Like they're wearing like the winter coats that we would have worn in Chicago when it was like ten. I mean, I can Honey, remember. Where's my long johns? Yeah. It's sixty degrees. Yeah, I mean, we're outside after school, after, in high school, out across you know across the street from the high school in the in the in the football yard and in the soccer fields playing football like street football in t-shirts and it's like twenty. Yeah. So those, those are the days. I, being in Atlanta watching everybody bundled up like, and I'm out there in like short sleeves. And it's like, oh my God, 60 degrees. I mean, before I would came from, it's like 20 below, you know? I was, so, it was too hot yeah. for me to wear my winter coat when we would play pickup uh, in the winter. So yeah. Donnie gave, if you remember, Donnie gave me a, like an old uh, hooded sweater that he had. And that's what I used to play because the coat was oh, too heavy. Okay. I was sweating and getting the coat yeah. all dirty and grimy and stuff. Uh, yeah, I remember shout we, out to we played on ice. We played on snow. And we didn't care. We were all out there. I mean, I remember being colder and wetter and soaked on that ride home on the train. But it, you know, never felt better, right? Hell yeah! Poor Donnie. I, every time we played, I thought we were gonna have to carry Donnie to Rush Hospital. Yeah, viable said Don. I mean, everybody I think had that, <laughs> that. I blew him up so hard one time. Legal hit. That was not a. That was a form tackle. That was the shoulder right in the rib cage with the, with the throw. I remember because that was not my thing tackling. And I remember like everybody like Donnie's laying there like in a heap. Yeah. Donnie was like broken ribs, and everybody's running over to me to to give me the big like, high five. Oh, what a hit, Jason! Yeah. Way to go, in man! Meantime, oh. In the meantime, he's just laying there crumpled up. Well, we were used to seeing him crumpled up because that was yeah. the thing. It's hard to describe Donnie, but I guess I'll just, he was the wing for bed of, of our pickup uh, games. <laughs> every time he took a hit, you go, ooh, that, ooh, yeah. that, yeah. that was bad. Yeah, when, when he caught the touchdown at, on Ephraim in the China Bowl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, I think, his, his moment. I think that oh, was yeah. his, his, his moment, his, his ultimate moment no was, uh, I, I, even, I could even still see the play. I mean, it's bad. That I'm like, I can actually still see like where the ball. It was one of those where I threw the ball and it was just like in the perfect spot, and Ephraim sold out for the pick, and you know, and it wasn't. It was a short pass, and it was pretty much just like a, like a quick out, and he caught it. And but when the one right guy spot. covering him oh, sells yeah. out and misses, then that's and it. And that was Home probably run. 75 yards of just just running of just clear ground in front of him. He made it all the way. That was it. Was a great play by Donnie. Heard the the chariots of fire music playing as he was running. <laughs> well, because it's about how fast he was running too, like the slow mo. Oh. You know, that was the fastest guy. wasn't the most fleet of foot, but he beat Ephraim, who was one of the most athletic guys out there with us. Um, beat him on a touchdown pass. Can't take it away from him. Nope. Uh, so as we break off on Kings of Non Secular again, uh, we. It's the after show. Dude, we got a call. I'm just impressed by the fact that we got a call. Somebody said they were going to hang up and listen, like listen to the show. Yeah, well, that, Naj is a, is a good guy. He's he's a good listener, and 
uh, I, I knew I, I could let him in because I knew he would have some uh, quality things to say. But some of these other numbers that pop up, I don't really click through all the time. Some of some of them, like I'm, I'm gonna let some of these go. Yeah, we don't want to get we don't want to get the Mike Mitchell calls. No, no, we don't. And, and I didn't write that number down who that guy was. I don't know who. So you know, oh, if, no. if he calls back, I wouldn't know. That's why I. I hesitated some of these strange numbers that we don't have like a block talk radio doesn't give us like a block list or anything does it no no it's it's weird it gives me uh this box that you can click in when someone calls in and i can type notes in there but that goes away it wants the show is it doesn't matter it's it's good if you're sitting there hosting the show and you can try to keep up with who's who but as soon as you click off it, it, it gets erased so that doesn't really help me yeah, no, that doesn't help very much at all. So, uh, I guess uh, you like this, the the Vikings. I I can't go with yeah. Kirk Cousins. I just can't do it. <laughs> I know I, it's I know. Kirk Cousins in prime time. Not only prime time Monday Night Football. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins kneels down at halftime with no time left. <laughs> he can't do that again. That, that was but one time. He's not going to do that that's, again. That's the mentality. That's the Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Thing. He does the ridiculously stupid thing to blow a game or throw a pick or get strip sacked. And, you know, he's going to do something bad. And this is not a spot I want him in. If this was in Minnesota, maybe I feel the other way. I don't trust them at all at Seattle in this spot. Maybe this is where they get right. They, they are a desperate team. This is huge. One of the biggest playoff ramification games of the weekend. That was a part of it. Is they they need it. They really need this win. They, they can't do. go six six and one. Uh, no, that opens up the door for a whole host of other teams. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Eagles are still going to be around. The Panthers could potentially still be around. I mean, the, the, I don't. I know we both have the Browns, but there's. It's not like if the Panthers win that one, we're going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe. No, it. no, that would not be shocking. So, yeah, no, the Vikings for a team that was, again, another team that was supposed to have these Super Bowl aspirations, and they go and they get the $100 million quarterback, and that was the last piece. That's all they needed. Uh, boy, the Vikings are going to be turning into the Jaguars' light. They're going to be like the NFC version of the Jaguars if they keep losing football games. So people will automatically say the Falcons are that, but I don't think the Falcons uh, – I don't think a lot of people – I, I like the Falcons a lot. I thought the defense, but they have excuses. The Vikings have no excuses. Yeah, again, the Atlanta situation is a very special circumstance of your top four, right. five, six defenders on your team all getting hurt at yeah. the same time. I mean, which, it, it, yeah. I could see a scenario by which 2019 Atlanta completely turns this thing around. They're going to play an easy schedule, and if they get everybody back right and they stay healthy, they become extremely dangerous again. Uh, Minnesota is not – suffering from anything significant. Stephon Diggs is banged up for this game somewhat. Um, that I don't like that. Uh, we know Adam Thielen is playing through something. Um, he's not popping up on a lot of the injury stuff, but we know he's not been himself. He's had that one good game since he came back from injury. Other than that, he's been a total ghost. If I, I'm not trusting the Vikings too much. Or maybe desperation wins this game and Seattle's sort of a paper tiger. But uh, yeah, it's Kirk Cousins, man. Can't do it. Can't do it. Look, in my confidence pool, I have one point on Minnesota. So, I'm, believe me, I'm not saying that this is a <laughs> slam dunk. You have confidence in the Cardinals. Yes, you I do. Have in the Vikings. 
I have two whole points on the Cardinals. The, I have much more. DFL White Mouse Cardinal. The White Mouse team. That's what I'll call you. The White Mouse will not explode. <laughs> that's no, got to be on YouTube somewhere. Oh, I hope so. I mean, I have the DVDs, but that's just great. Yeah, the don't you believe it? Yeah, we haven't referenced that too much. We need. Yeah, if you gotta you gotta find that drop so we can play that. On the, it's got to be out there somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere out there has got to be a the, the the don't you believe it with the white mouse. But one of the best Tom and Jerry episodes ever for those Tom and Jerry connoisseurs like we are. <laughs> no, I completely. Uh... Recognize that it's a Kirk Cousins one-two punch of at New England and at Seattle, and that might spell complete disaster. I, I get that, but Seattle's uh, pass coverage has slumped. This is a sort of a numbers pick a little bit. That looking at the trending, that uh, Seattle's pass defense was third seven weeks ago in the NFL, which is I believe their peak for the season. Now they're nineteenth. So they've really fallen off. Uh, the, the the youngsters, they may have run into a sort of a rookie wall or something like that. I don't know, but uh, they were playing much. Uh, they, they were playing much better than mo- than most people thought they would at the beginning of the year. Uh, but they have definitely fallen off. Uh, and Russell Wilson seems to have made Tyler Lockett his his guy, his top guy yeah, over and he's Doug Baldwin. Uh, and, and Baldwin is not practicing this week, so he may not, he may not make it on the field at all for this one. Um, I, I, as much as I like Tyler Lockett as a, as a home run threat and a playmaker, I don't think I, I like the Seattle Seahawks passing offense with him as sort of the number one guy because he's so hit or miss. If he doesn't hit the home run, he doesn't really give you much anything else. I actually preferred it when, when Wilson was hooking up more with Doug Baldwin because Baldwin gave you, it felt like three, four, five, six, uh, 10, 15 yard sideline routes in a row and set you up and then 50 yard over the top double move bomb your ass uh which i don't think tyler lockett uh really set you up like that so i i just got a feeling that minnesota they're desperate they come out uh, they play a little more stout uh than maybe seattle uh is ready for and, and they uh sneak out and eke out a victory at seattle you know how much i i like picking seattle at home on any circumstance so oh, yeah. I really got to have a feeling uh, to go against that, and, and that's what I'm going to do this time. This is the thing that seems to be lacking as I think about the Vikings season. Where's that win that you can point to and go, yeah, those guys. Those guys are really good. That signature win. The Vikings don't have one as far as I'm concerned. Not that I can think of. Right? Well, hey, they're 16-something point favorites against the Buffalo Bills, so that should have been a oh. – Oh, oh, oh! You mean the biggest favorite to lose by thirty points or whatever? Like the biggest margin of defeat ever by a more than two touchdown favorite? That Viking team? Yeah, twenty-seven to six at yeah. sixteen and a half they point by, favorites. They lost by twenty-one points. They lost by three touchdowns as sixteen-point favorites. And no uh, joke, so the next day that stab blew me away. They were the biggest. It was the biggest blowout of a two-touchdown favorite in the history of, like, the odds, the point spreads. <laughs> that's so that wasn't something. a signature That win. was special. That wasn't just bad. That was special bad. So now you got to be curious. So six Minnesota victories that I'm looking for as I go through the schedule. Week find one this, over – I'm the signature win for the, the Minnesota Vikings. That That's your challenge. Week Go. one by eight by week one by eight points over the Niners. That's not a signature. No, and the Niners had no. the ball with a chance. That was Jimmy Garoppolo still. Yeah. 
Uh, week two was the the, the tie, the uh, the game not, that you not impressive. Missed. I was at that game, not impressive. Week three was that Buffalo disaster. Uh, <laughs> week four, they come off of that on Thursday night to lose uh, out in L.A. Uh, week five, let's see. That was a uh, that could be the the the, the signature win. They go what? to Philly and, and win twenty three twenty one. Really? <laughs> that look, they beat the world champions. I mean, come oh, on, what, okay. what else do you want? Okay. They they, they beat the champs. Uh, that's probably going to be as as impressive as I find. Week six is uh, another big spread that they couldn't cover. That they lost. Uh, they beat Arizona, but they were favored by ten and a half. Only won by ten. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, but it's, obviously people that's thought they were going to just destroy it. That's a team they should throttle, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, that was my point. So we, uh, here you go, week seven, they do go to New York and throttle the Jets, 37-17. to 17. So there's that's that. That's what they're supposed to do. I understand, but I didn't know they had a 20-point win over anyone this year. So I, I was surprised no. to see that. How'd we do uh, on that one? We both had the Jets. <laughs> oh, that's what, that tells you what we thought of the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, correct. <sighs> uh, week uh, week eight, uh, hosting New Orleans, and the Saints beat them thirty to twenty. That was that was weird because the Saints sort of like slow slow played them and beat them down with the run game and, and controlled the clock. Yeah, wasn't that one of those? Was that the game where Drew Brees for like hundred and twenty yards? <laughs> one of and many kept... now. Right. They just kept running on them, and Minnesota couldn't stop them on the ground. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait. It, who's it, the number one rushing team in football? Uh, is that, oh, it the uh, Seahawks. That, yeah, that, that would. You're, you're, you're right Sorry. about that. Sorry. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Uh, so here's the other contender for signature win is week nine over the Lions, 24 to nine, <laughs> but that's the Lions. <laughs> signature. I mean, I, I'm I don't know what to do. This is the Kirk Cousins era. What, what you're giving me? Well, they they beat the Cardinals by ten. <laughs> they beat the Aaron World Rogers Champions at Philly. That. That's 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 the best I can do for you. <laughs> was that all Nick I got Foles or was that Carson Wentz? Do we even know? Back I, then, I don't remember. What week was that? So it's probably Foles. Uh, what week was that? Week uh, week five? Um, well, that could have been – if that wasn't Foles, that might have been like Wentz's first, first game. Oh, and they won, by, they won by two. Two. And that was Carson yeah. Wentz, yeah. And they won by two. So, uh, I'm trying to tell you what, what they did. That's that's the best I can say <sighs> there. Man. Yeah, that, that's all I got. It's rough. It's rough. It is. I am uh, I'm a little worried for the Vikings. This was supposed to be, you know, they went and they get their quarterback and they're going to be great. And it, it's just not, it's not happening. You know, about that ugly uh, Sunday night Packers win in week 12. What about that one? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good try. It's a good try. Yeah. Beating the Lions, they beat the, the the Packer one was that was that was not it's not a the great future game. Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. They beat they beat Aaron Rodgers. Come on on Sunday night. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers uh, is having a 
I, I want to say he's having a terrible year because I didn't realize when I looked at it and I saw that the Packers still have the sixth-ranked sixth pass offense in the league. Yep. Please don't say he's having a bad year because I can't believe like how Aaron great Rogers, he's been with that bad Aaron Rogers, He's been unbelievable. Yeah, the fact that he's playing on one leg for most of the year and they still have the number six pass offense with just dudes. Straight. I don't care what you would say about Devontae Adams or, or Randall Cobb. Those are dudes playing. Those are just guys. If Devontae Adams was not on the Packers or Randall Cobb was on the Packers, they would just be straight up Dude, there, there's Montrez nothing there. Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. Equimenius St. Brown. Yeah. What did your guy do last week? He, he didn't make much a, of an impact. They, they, they introduced him. They, they, they started throwing him the ball too late. That's what happened to my dude. Oh. Akumaro. He's going to light up the Falcons. They should have introduced him in the game plan much earlier, you're saying. They, they should have done something to – else than what they did against the Cardinals. Anything. It's probably a long list of things they should have done to avoid losing to the fucking Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, the first thing they should have done was not lose to the Cardinals. One and one A on the list. Don't yeah. lose to the Cardinals. Get your coach fired, check. <laughs> Don't lose to the Cardinals at home. Oh. Yeah, and to lose that way. Oh. What what a send off for your coach. They love Mike McCarthy so much. They gave him the big sta- standing ovation, but they yet they did that. <laughs> yeah, McCarthy should have walked in the locker room and flipped everyone off. Like, what the, what the hell did y'all do to me? God, you guys suck. Yeah. He'll, he'll get a job. I, McCarthy will get a coaching gig. Everyone keeps saying that. Um, he will. Um. I mean, I I'm, I'm, don't have any kind of clue or, or anything, you know, any insight into any of the executives. But look, if you correctly pointed out so much over the years how terrible this guy's uh, game management skills are. Oh, yeah. Why, brutal. why should he necessarily get another job? Because he's, he's got a record. He's a name. I mean, he's got a good winning record. He's a name. Uh, well, he's a Super Bowl winning coach. He had long tenure. He's going to get another job. Someone's going to hire Mike McCarthy because he's going to come. He's going to, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to command anything. I don't think, I think he'll just go in there and he'll be solid. He could be one of those sort of like steadying kind of coaches. I'm going to give you a, I'll give a dark horse team here that I think could get Mike McCarthy as their head coach here because I've been kind of crapping on him the last few weeks. Tampa. Uh. Cause that's a team that's got the, the offense is in place, right? He's kind mm-hmm. of a quarterback guy, and what Dirk Cutter's doing right now is trying to get fired. <laughs> That's all I can figure out is that Dirk Cutter, Dirk Cutter is doing the suicide by cop thing with this backward and forth with the quarterback thing. He's the guy who ran, runs out in the street, starts pointing his gun at the cops because <laughs> he knows they're going to shoot him. I, I don't know what Dirk Cutter's doing other than trying to get fired. And the Buccaneers organization is apparently married to Jameis Winston, and they're not going to give up on that, so they're going to be looking to bring in yeah. somebody uh, that can sort of corral him. Sort of a calming influence, and I could see McCarthy as being that. Horrible game manager, no halftime adjustments. I've been, You know I've been on that train for years um, with the Packers' second-half collapses um, and just the fact that they just don't seem to come out and do anything different. 
like the what so but that doesn't mean I think he's not going to get a job. I don't think he's like the worst coach in football. I just think he overstayed his welcome and like all the weaknesses were glaring. I mean don't forget I mean a lot of the Packers deficiencies were also the roster, the talent. It's a very bare cupboard when it comes to talent. That defense is so young. Maybe it'll be good in a few years. But yeah, no running game. I mean Aaron Jones, does Aaron does Aaron Jones really scare you? I don't know about scare me, but I'd like to the see guy. them get like a, a full yeah. complement of carries as opposed to oh, what sure. uh, McCarthy was doing with them. I'll, I'll give you another reason. I'll give you one more name why Mike McCarthy got fired. Ty fucking Montgomery. <laughs> Your guy. Your guy. <laughs> that experiment in and of itself should have been enough to get Mike McCarthy fired. Your favorite running back wearing number 88. <laughs> <laughs> I know you loved you some time on. Oh my god, it was the worst. The dude ran so upright. He just go into the hole and just get blown up. Yeah, he didn't have a whole re- lot of uh, elusivity, took, did he? And it took that idiotic play of him running the ball on that <laughs> kickoff return. Oh, he took the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, and then he in sort of unceremoniously gets cut. But. That was like he needed to get cut like long before that because even as a receiver he was sort of like mediocre. So and they have yeah. to stick him in as running back as a as a last oh. desperation thing and he has some success at first yeah. and they're like hey we can convert him into a running back now and keep, and have him keep eighty eight that'll be fun and then you actually had uh, like Patriots did that with Cordero Patterson in that one game. It's like, oh, that's how you do it. That's how you kind of utilize a running. It's so funny that you saw Cordero Patterson do that in that one game. Was that against the Packers? Hmm. Hmm. Well, that guy's uh, 40-yard time was probably like 4-2, 4 And Montgomery's, I'm going to guess, was not. Well, they're trying to. They were trying to sell Montgomery like he was going to be this inside the tackles kind of. The whole thing was just messed up, and Mike McCarthy lost control of that offense, and he just needed to be gone, and he is gone now. And I think the Packers, I think Aaron Rodgers will, like I said, be a little rejuvenated this week. This is the perfect team for them to play—a team that plays zero defense because everybody on that defense is dead. <laughs> I ultimately agree with all of you saying that McCarthy will get another job, but my just pushback. A light pushback would be the the three things of one the bad game managing over the years, two oh, yeah. the lack of half lack of halftime adjustments, and three the fact that he alienated his Hall of Fame quarterback to the point where they had almost seemingly no uh, uh, communication or, or relationship with each other. That's not good. You know, I, I kind of oh. want a coach that's not going to alienate my star quarterback. That's, that's yeah. just me. So, so it, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, you're starting to hear about jobs that are going to be, you know, I think Todd Bowles is probably going to get fired. Um, someone, someone's going to get a hell of a defensive coordinator when he gets fired. Ron Rivera's name is starting to be thrown around as somebody's going to get fired. You know, the Packers' job is open. I think Dirk Cutter's going to get fired. You almost come on. I mean, you can hang on your hat that you're the number one offense in football. If you're the number one offense in football, why are you winning five games for? And if you're uh, Aaron Donald and you're an MVP candidate, why does your defense suck so hard? 
That's a good point. Just saying. I mean, Ravens have the number one defense in football. I haven't heard anybody mentioning anybody from their defense as an MVP candidate. Or the Bills yeah, be... are number two. Well, yeah, Tredavious White and, and, uh, and the, the Ravens uh, corner, Brandon Carr, maybe they should be getting MVP uh, votes uh, the way they've been playing. Yeah, yeah come on. They could quit with that. I mean, if Khalil Mack doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, that would that would be a travesty. I don't think it's going to happen. The way they've been talking up Aaron Donald, I think it's, it's, it sounds like it's locked up for him, which, again, which is why I think Khalil Mack might come out yeah. Sunday night and say, okay, let me show you all what an MVP is really all about. And, and Or J.J. Watt, probably Comeback Player of the Year anyways. Oh, absolutely. That that guy. Or Andrew Luck. John, That's going to be John, a toss-up. Yeah. Yeah, he's been uh, much much improved and, and had a long road to come back from. But J.J. Watt, man, the, the John Cena of the NFL, he's just – he's a robot. But it's amazing how much better that Texans defense – that Texans defense just feeds so much on him. And, and they already have great players, but it's like if Watt is doing what he can do, even 80% of the, you know, of, of what he's capable of doing, how much better everybody else on that defense seems to play. And now that Deshaun Watson's healthy, I'm telling you, I got this weird vibe about the Texans. I'm just telling you, you know, I, I, you know, I get these feelings sometimes, right? I had this, like, this that, I'm getting the feeling this is going to be scary. I'm getting the feeling about this Texans team like I did about that. 10 Packers team. Went all the way to the title. The one that went all the way to the title. I remember telling you, and this was before we had the show on the air, but I did tell you, it, God is my witness, I told you that they were the best six seed I've ever seen. I remember. I will vouch for you. I did say that. And I'm starting to get a weird feeling about this Texans team that if they, that they, they, they I, there's nothing that tells me they can't go on the road and beat New England, or they can't go on the road and beat Pittsburgh, or they can't go on the road and beat Kansas City. Texans are that good. Yeah, especially with Watson uh, rounding into back into shape and uh, looking like what he looked like last year. And then on the other side, J.J. Watt rounding into shape and looking yeah. like what he looked like before then, he got hurt. Yeah, you don't win nine in a row by accident. No. Well, those are two extremely talented guys to sort of start playing their best ball and peaking at the right time at this time of year. So any team would love to have either one of them uh, sort of bouncing back and playing like they are right now. So, yeah, I'm just, re- I get just, I'm just starting to get this little weird feeling about the Texans. And not a lot of people are talking about Houston other, other than the win streak. I don't think anybody is looking at them as being dangerous. And they're starting I'm, to feel dangerous to me. I'm sure that's a uh, franchise. Uh, yeah. uh, the reason for that is that you don't take the Houston Texans yeah, seriously because they're Houston forget- Texans. I remember the Texans were a halfway the, – the, the, the Texans were a league average quarterback away from the Super Bowl. Kind of like the Jaguars. Just like the Jaguars because the Texans were up in Foxborough and they had the Patriots on the ropes and they Brock couldn't steal the because Osweiler. they had Brock Osweiler. And then the Jaguars have the Patriots on the ropes. Blake and fucking – Exactly. Deshaun Watson's not that guy. We've seen Deshaun Watson go to New England and give them everything they could handle. We have. So well, yeah, I, I agree with I'm you. I'm not they, saying they they're going to the Super Bowl. I don't. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl, 
but they're not going to be an easy out. Yeah. No, they're playing a home game. Right. They're playing a home game. They're probably playing wild card weekend, but they're getting a home game. And I think they could win that home game. And they're going to go and give the Chiefs or the Patriots or the Steelers. They're going to give somebody all they can handle. Yeah, at the at the moment, it's you know obviously a lot of things still to happen, but at the moment uh, we're looking at oh. let's see as the as the page loads slowly. As look at the yeah, right now it would be Ravens at Texans. That would be that'd be a game. Well, yeah, and right now it stands that it would be Ravens. Although would that be Texans, Flacco or Chargers, Lamar Jackson? <laughs> Steelers. Wow, Ravens at Texans, Chargers at Steelers would be your. AFC wildcard weekend and Vikings at Bears, Seahawks at Cowboys would be your NFC. Oh, those are actually interesting matchups. You know, there yeah, there's not there's not a dog in any of those. That's why something's got to happen for Bills. Right, something's got to happen for one of those teams to fall out and some dog shit team to sneak into the playoffs. And, and make that uh, that 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central uh, game that nobody wants to see for wild card oh, yeah. weekend. Something's going to happen. If I had to predict right now, I would say just on name recognition alone that Ravens-Titans, Ravens-Texans would be the Saturday afternoon game, but it would probably be the best Saturday afternoon game we've ever had as far as Saturday <laughs> afternoon games go. Um, if the Titans sneak in, they're guaranteed to be in that Saturday afternoon game just because <laughs> there's no name recognition. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, you know, but yeah, I could definitely see where the Vikings should be worried because they lose to Seattle and now all of a sudden they're on the outside looking in because one of these six win teams, uh, they might all lose. That's the, this is the sad part is the, the, all the six win teams might lose because the Panthers could very easily lose, the Eagles you've got losing, and we both have the Redskins losing. So you have all, all of the six-win teams other than the Vikings uh, losing on Sunday. I do. So I do. They, they, they're all trending the wrong way to me. Yeah, and the Ravens, if the Ravens go and lose to the Chiefs, now the Titans are tied with them. Um, And then you got the Dolphins, the Colts, and the Broncos kind of hanging around and they could have one of those teams could then tie them if they win. I don't think the Dolphins will win. I don't think the Colts will win. And uh, the Broncos probably have the best chance. Although, are we both on the Niners in that one? Yeah, dude, the point scared me. I, I, I really wanted to pick uh, Denver. I even like the yeah. PFF stat about Phillip Lindsay, the rookie running back, who's been so impressive that he's, yeah. gaining five, he's gaining five or more yards on 45.5% of his carries. And wow. that's the best rate for a rookie running back in the last 13 years. So he is just yeah. an explosive little midget. Man, he, he gets that ball and yeah. he's gone. You know, what stood out to me was just kind of looking at the rankings and seeing now it's late enough in the season, you know, the rankings actually start to matter a little bit. You can see where teams are shaking out is the Denver defense isn't very good. What's going on? Now, I know they have to play the Chiefs twice and you know, it doesn't help when, when, when you got to, you know, play some, some high powered teams and, you know, those can skew your numbers, but not 25th. And then when I looked at the other side and I was looking at where all the rankings were for the uh, 49ers for a two-win team, their rankings are not terrible. Like You'd think they'd be like 
dead last or, you know, or second to last mm-hmm. or pretty damn close to that. Never, No, they're like top half of the league in most of their categories, which is no, stunning. They, they, they have been stunningly competitive for a 2-10 team, yes. Yeah, they're the best 2-10 team in football. <laughs> Uh, for the Broncos, I have watched a couple of their games, not a whole lot of uh, football. Unfortunately, it looks like Von Miller might be sort of turning the corner of, of going downward. Uh, and, and he gets double teamed and triple teamed all the time, but he used to beat those. He's, he hasn't yeah. beat them this year, and it's really made a, a ripple effect on the Broncos' defense from what I've seen. He's too busy doing soap commercials. Well, it, yeah, you know, everybody uh, hits the wall. Everybody uh, starts to turn the other way at some point, and, and this, this might be it for Von Miller. I don't, I don't know. Hey, Dak Prescott does chunky soup commercials while doing other things. I've I've seen. The, that's that's the basis of the commercial. He's so busy that he's doing oh, yeah. a, a soup yeah. commercial while he's while he's practicing or whatever. I mean, he's not getting thrown in the Salvation Army bucket. Also, by the way, dumbest fine. You want to talk about bad PR? You find a guy for donating to the Salvation Army. Not just dumb, but unbelievably hypocritical. You accept the money from the Salvation Army to have the big ass bucket out there on the yeah. field, and then when someone the puts money in the, and then when the someone puts money in the bucket, you use money, money. Well, you use the prop as a prop. Now, fine. If you want to find them, go ahead and just find them and give all the money to the Salvation Army. I think I, <laughs> I think anywhere they have one of those dumbass buckets on the field, every player needs to be throwing money in that bucket. And, and they would be within their right, because if you don't want them to throw it in the bucket, don't yeah. have the bucket out there. I thought it was cool. I did, too. I didn't know what the message he was trying to send, though, when he threw Dak Prescott in the bucket, though, was. I, I don't, I don't. It's, there's so many celebrations that are happening that I kind yeah. of scratch my head and go, "What? What are, what are they doing?" Yeah, what, I mean, why, he's, you know, he's like trying to donate to the Salvation Army. What's he supposed to do? Go back to punching women? <laughs> that would not be the celebration that they want. Oh, no, sorry. That, that's that's that, no, that's bad PR. I'm just saying, you know, you have you have the Kareem Hunt thing. It's all this this, this bad publicity, and then the NFL decides they're going to find a guy. For, for giving to charity or, 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 you know, it's like crazy. Just absolutely crazy. The NFL and their rules. Oh, man. Yeah, somebody sat down in their chair and, and after the Kareem Hunt stuff and all that and said, okay, now let's get down to business here. What's this going on about throwing money in the Salvation Army bucket that we allow to be on the field? We got to <laughs> we gotta do something about that. No props, but they put a giant-ass prop on the field. And people actually used it. And how how dare they? How dare they use that prop that we signed off and, and accepted? Uh, isn't this isn't this like two weeks after they were celebrating Michael Thomas doing the Joe Horn thing, and it was all over? Like it was just like I was this homage to what Joe Horn did, and it was like very cool, and it was kind of retro and throwback. You got Ezekiel Elliott run up, grab a couple of dollars from a guy, and throw him in the Salvation Army bucket, which should be like. Tons of positive PR, you would think, especially for a guy who's got a bit of a tarnished image. And then the NFL goes in there and finds him. It's just like, wow. Of course you did, NFL. Right. That, that's the total NFL move. It's complete NFL. 
complete it's Roger like Goodell. A league, a league that just doesn't know what to do with its popularity. It's like, how can we piss this all away? <laughs> I, all the criticism of Roger Goodell, I always sort of poo-poo it away because I say that he's going to stay there forever as commissioner because yeah. he takes so much heat that the owners normally would get. He just takes it all and, and absorbs it, and nothing seems to bother well, him. They're paying him a lot of money to do that. I, I'd, I'd be the fall guy for that kind of cash. I would take all the heat you could give me for $36 million a year. Uh, yes. But I, I feel like this is his league in, in that respect, as far as the uh, the fining for throwing money in a salvage army bucket. I think a lot of other commissioners uh, would, would allow that and not have anything to say about it. But in his league, you really yeah. have to sort of toe the line and, and you can't do anything that he doesn't approve of. It, it's, it's a revelation that he allowed the rules to be relaxed for celebrations uh, a couple years ago, because remember how tightly that was. Oh being yeah. You yeah. couldn't take two steps after scoring a touchdown without getting a flag for uh, excessive celebration. I still remember Vernon Davis dunked a ball over a goalpost and got a flag for yeah, that. And I'm Tony like, Tony Gonzalez did for his whole career. The difference between spiking the ball and dunking it over the goalpost is what exactly? Because I'm saying none, and one is being yeah. fine and the other one isn't, and that's just stupid. And again, so, Tony Gonzalez made a career of it. That's true. Uh, but for for this guy, for this commissioner, I think this is sort of his law and order type league, and this is what he likes, yeah. and he, he wants people to, to be uh, completely on uh, – uh, on lockstep and, and in a straight line. And if you step out of line, even a yeah. little bit, then the, here comes the, the justice. For you. That, that, that's what he wants. I think that's it, once he gets out of office, whenever that is, that might not be for another 25 years, but I, I promise you the next commissioner that comes in is not going to be fighting people for throwing money in the Salvation Army bucket. No, just totally ridiculous. And, you know, and, and for, especially for a league that complains about props, what would they call the military? That's the biggest prop there is in the NFL. Oh, you're starting down that path. You can't have that discussion. But they've got they've, they've got their they've got their like fatigue looking sweatshirts this year, right? The mm-hmm. army greens and all that stuff. Come on, but that's money. But it's a valve of salvation. I, I was just about to say, let me go on the NFL website and see how much it costs to get one of those jerseys because I'm sure it's for sale. <laughs> Actually, kind of nice looking, but I'm not buying one. <laughs> I'm sure it's for. I'm sure you can pay. Whatever price is out there, I'm sure you can buy it. But yeah, we can't even have a, a intelligent conversation about the military and the props and uh, the symbolism, and we can't have any political protests. What the fuck is the anthem? That's that's not political. Give me a fucking break. So we we can't even talk about. Oh, that, I mean, it's the it's the national. I, I'm not one of these. I'm not the anti anthem guy. You know. I'm not looking at it like it's a, it's just what we it's just kind of what they do, you know. It's not. What, I I can remember for my whole life going to baseball games and always standing, you know, and listen to Wayne Mesmer and he sings the anthem and it's kind of like gets you going and then they get, you have the game. I mean, it's it's not it's not the, the anthem. First of all, shouldn't be political. Well, it shouldn't be, but it is. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be used that way. Is because the anthem it's by the anthem by itself the song of your country is not political. Well, we definitely disagree on that, but uh, 
like I said, the conversation can't even really be started because it gets so heated and so blown out of proportion on, on either side that you can't even start talking about it. Well, I mean, it depends. If you're talking about, like, the anthem as far as, like, being played before a sporting event or the anthem being used as a protest thing. I'm just talking about the, the actual, it's your national anthem. Every country has a national anthem, right? I think so. I mean, Canada has one. I mean, England has one. Like, I mean, most of the big countries, I'm sure. I mean, you go to the Olympics, they play the song. They play the anthem of the country when somebody wins a gold medal. I've never heard silence when somebody wins a gold medal and they're standing up on the podium. And, you know, Russia wins. Somebody wins. They're playing the damn song in the country. But, the, you know, it's like, to say it's political, it's like saying it's like it's a, you know, one side or the other kind of thing. It's not a Democrat thing or a Republican thing. Or it's, it, it, it's not that. It's just, it's a song and it's recognized as the national anthem. Maybe you don't like it. But that is the song. I mean, it's just, it's what it is. It doesn't it doesn't I, I, the the actual meaning of it having something political. Like you could argue it. Like oh, you know, it's just, it's just it's the national anthem. That's it. I know, but I still don't understand why it has to be played before a sporting event. We don't do that right, for that any other entertainment. That, right, but that's 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 the politicization of something. But not that the song itself is political. I don't think that there's anything in the song that like some people are. Oh, I I I find that offensive, or you know, I got to argue this point. It's just a song. It's a song about. I believe it's from the War of 1812. You know, fort under siege, the flag stood all night. It was the flag of our country. It was only like you know 50 years old at that point. It's just a song. <laughs> it's all it is. Yeah, the fact that it's played before sporting events, you could. I'm, ne- I'm neither here nor there about that. I mean, if they didn't play the national anthem before a sporting event, I wouldn't be like, oh, damn it, I'm never going to a sporting event ever in my life. Oh, but there would be so many people. That, oh, this is part of the pussification of America. I can't believe they stopped playing it. <laughs> I guess for me, it's all about the origins of it. And, and if you know why they started playing the anthem to begin with, which is to gin up uh, uh, people's oh. emotions after uh, attendance started flagging for baseball in the, uh, in the I believe it was the 20s or 30s. Um, and it just, just just to get people going, just to get the, the sure. use the whole patriotism hook. And, and that's why it's political to me is that it's, it's, it's all cynical. It's, it's not about we love, uh, our country so much that we have to. It's all about let's let's try to get more asses in seats. Let's try to get more attention for ourselves, and let's use the anthem as a as a prop, basically, uh, to to get people to think more of us. Sure. And that that that's why they. And when you think about nine eleven and how it really got blown out of proportion, and the God bless America and all that oh, stuff. Now that was that was over the top, and I didn't I didn't do any of that. I didn't get into any of that. I wasn't one of these people who had to go and put the flag out because my whole point was, well, you know, someday you're not going to put it out there anymore, right? You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's wearing the little USA pins. You'd see all the politicians and they'd be on TV and they'd all have, well, someday you're going to stop wearing that little USA pin. So what do you, you know? Well, no one either are. You know, yeah. It's like what you, what you have, you know, but that's also, I mean, especially in the, today's day and age where everything has got to be, you know the virtue signaling and the 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 society of just outrage. We live in this perpetual outrage society now. Like outrage is its own like engine that drives things now. It's like this economy of outrage. Everything it's all that's like the currency that everybody operates now is on. Who can be offended? Who's got to be outraged by something? 
what person can we dig up something on Twitter and find and bust them on to, to ruin their lives or, you know, get something taken away from them. I mean, this is, it's just an outraged society now. It's like people just can't be or accept things or actually have the conversation. It's just, it just has to be constant outrage. Not about the outcome. It's about the outrage. There's a lot of that. There's a whole lot of emotion out there, a lot more than there ever has been. Yes, it's almost, you know, it's like, you know, logic and common sense and talking things through or or coming to a resolution. That doesn't matter as long as you can boil it down into 180 characters on Twitter and feel good about yourself. Yep, there's certainly a lot of that. Uh, that's just you know that's just the way it is. Yeah, I know I know you're very anti anthem when it comes to the the use of it in sports. It makes no sense to me. Just, but and we, I went to, we went we went to assembly and they'd play the national anthem, right? Or where we'd do the pledge of allegiance, all that stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of indoctrination going on when you're a kid. There's, there's a whole ton of that. Well, it's uh, and, like and it's I your... wasn't necessarily yeah. in favor of any of that either, but you, you did it. You, you had to do it. You know, you felt like there was well, sure. no, uh, there was no options. Right. But there's so nothing I'm, wrong I'm, with like, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, there, like being like acknowledging your country or being proud of your country or any of those, or where you live or where you're from and all the warts and all the wrinkles. You don't have to love everything about it, but you know, you're all, every, everything is still progressed to a point for a reason. Well, I'm for the uh, having the conversations about these things and not just saying, well, that's how it always was before, so that's how it has to be in the future. I, I, I'm, I'm all for talking things out. I don't have to be outraged about it, but I'm for just having adult, normal conversations and saying, do we really need to do this and what's the pros and cons of, of things like that? Oh, yeah, and I don't disagree with you on that one. Because especially when it relates to that with the sports and it's a cash grab, just like you said with the 9-11 stuff, all the God bless America stuff, and then all of a sudden the baseball games, you had to play that between the seventh inning. It's like, and they still do it. Oh, I've uh, read some very well-written uh, uh, articles over the years about exactly why they still do it. Basically because they're scared to death to not do it. To they not don't want do to be it. the team that gets, <laughs> well, uh, that gets the outrage police. Of, uh, oh my God, See? they stopped playing God bless America. What's wrong with them? They're anti-American. So what you're saying is my position of don't start is the right position. <laughs> because if you don't start, if you don't change things, then you don't have to ever have that moment where you don't put the flag out in front of your house or you don't wear the little USA pin or you don't, or, or the day you stop playing God bless America in the seventh inning stretch. No, you don't have to have that, that moment. That, yeah. No one was thinking of that at the time they started, of course. See, I was. Just... That's why I didn't do it. I didn't do any <laughs> of that stuff. Honestly, no, I didn't. I mean, it was a horrible thing. It was a tragedy. I mean, everything that's happened in this country since then, you could, you know, it has been a disaster, and not just because of what happened on 9-11. I mean, everything, you know, the erosion of freedom, the police state, the economy's ups and downs, everything can tie back to that, you know, this constant state of fear. You know, remember, it's orange, it's green, it's yellow. It, oh, jeez. It, it was just, it, everything was so horrible. You know, it was, like, it was almost like, hey, you know, this is what the terrorists kind of wanted. <laughs> and 
It's like it's you couldn't exactly have planned this out any wanted. better for the terrorists. You couldn't have planned this out any better for those guys. It changes the fabric of our society. They won. That's exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's why. That's why when I I remember when it happened, I wasn't like running out there like, oh my god, where's my flag? <laughs> where's my flag? I gotta put my flag out of those people because think I don't love this country. Where's my? I gotta go buy a little USA pin and put it on my shirt. It, no, that, that's not the whole point of, of you know of like being American. Not to me. Terrorists from another country bombed uh, several. Uh, staples of our country and my reaction is I need to go get a flag from Home Depot to show how much I love my wife. It's made in Taiwan. What? what? Yeah. Uh, uh, we, uh, that's probably a whole other podcast that we could yeah. get into or, or uh, yeah. a whole but see, we, we, we agree there. We, we agree in roundabout ways. You know, I, I, I you know, you're 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 more focused on things. I tend to be more of like the the you know. I I look at like big things, like it, like in the overall. You know, you get very precise. That's okay. I'm very detail oriented. I'll I'll, I'll yes. put it that way. Yeah. You know, I I tend to look at things more through like the like the lens of like history and and, and scopes and you know and and greater meanings and yeah. I'm not you know the fact that that. You know, back in the 1920s, when nobody really gave a shit, like you know, people today who are going to the the you know baseball game and standing there for the national anthem, like yeah, oh, this is bullshit. They started doing this in the 20s. <laughs> I hate this song. You know, <laughs> no, it's just uh, learning the history of it is. is it, I'm sure there are a lot of people that do stand for that. You know, that take five seconds ago. I wonder why we're doing this. I wonder why we're, and then they just let it go out of their head. But I, I, I like sure. to learn, you know, when questions like that pop in my head, I, I actually yeah. want to follow through and figure out, okay, why I, exactly? Why are we doing this? And, and yeah. Oh, just to get more. And that's, why I was, and that's why I was never one of the people who was outraged or wanted to go and burn a Jersey when, when the protest happened, because the whole point of being able to have that kind of protest is exactly what, this country is all about. Oh, we so talked about that when it happened. Being, yeah, right. So if you say someone's being anti-American by protesting, I said no, they are being exactly American by well, protesting. That we, the, the whole we, point of being American gives you the right to protest. It gives you the right to think that having the national anthem before the game is stupid, and it gives me the right to say it really doesn't bother me. What's the big deal? You know, that's our right. That's the whole point, and that's when the, – so the people who are telling you that that's anti-American, like the American – you know, the, we're the police of patriotism, are the real are the real problem. That we are 100% in lockstep on, yeah. All right. Kind of like our picks this week. We only disagree on, what, five? <laughs> See how I tied up the show uh, in a neat little bow? Yeah, there you go. Uh, I have to scroll back down. I was looking through the. I'm usually pretty good about the, picking the number. Uh, yeah. I, to, I was looking for the great Minnesota wins this year, so I have to scroll back down to the bottom of the. Uh, <laughs> you can keep looking. Because I'll tell I, you what, they're not, one on, they're not getting one on Monday night either. <laughs> I, I we'll see. I'm. I'm
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.